0: The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. How would you feel if during a serious illness your soul found itself in complete blackness? Would it be even scarier if thousands of frozen gray souls, their legs pulled up against their chests, passed by, staring out insanely with fixed, angry eyes. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitning. Today's guest on the show is Crystal Bengtson, who experienced such a frightening out-of-body experience as a result of battling a devastating case of the flu. Fortunately, her experience improved dramatically after that, as she describes in the first chapter of her book, Sacred Lights, Spirit Eagle. And now here to tell us about it herself is Crystal Bankson. Crystal, welcome to NDE Radio.
1: Thank you, Lee. I'm happy to be here.
0: And uh, Crystal, if you would, tell us us some of the details of your near-death experience.
1: All right. Um, It was in a December morning. It was very warm and uh, very pleasant here in Los Angeles. And I was very, very sick in bed. I had a terrifically high fever that had set in all of a sudden. And as it went on during that day, I started having convulsions. I was Hmm. convulsing so that I touched the uh, bed with my head and my upper back and then my hips and my feet, and the rest of me was just arched. And sometimes I was just the back and the toes. And I was... um, I thinking, I need to get away from this somehow, and I saw blackness coming up all around me. It was rising like high water coming up, and suddenly, I just noticed that I was up out of my body, and I looked down at the bed, and I sort of saw a dark space down there, and then I went up into an endless blackness, moving through it, and I kept looking all around I was very awake, very alert. My mind was functioning better than I think it ever has. And I was saying, what is this place? Where am I? Where are you, God? What's going on here? Please, somebody, tell me what's happening. And uh, I kept floating through this space, and I I looked down, and I saw that there was infinite blackness below me and all around me, and there were no stars, nothing to guide. And I, I just panicked. And I thought... I'm falling, and which is one of my big fears, of falling from very high places. And mm. I, I was terrified. And then I closed my eyes, and I saw like um, an Aladdin's um, uh, carpet. And it was underneath me, and I was seated on it. I was in my body. I was seated on it. And I was floating along on that. And I opened my eyes, and I looked down, and sure enough, there was a carpet underneath me with all brilliant colors. And I started to settle down. And I could hear my mother talking to me. I couldn't, I looked around and I didn't see anything, but she was talking to me and she, and I, I couldn't, she kept saying, honey, would you like to come up here and be with us? We'd love it if you would come up here and be with us. And I thought, what? And um, I just, kept looking around and saying, what is this place? Please, somebody show me something. And then I saw these frightening creatures that you mentioned, the blue baldies, I call them, and they are seated ten abreast and like a square of ten of them, cross-legged, and they're just moving by me in in these big, I don't know, it's almost like wagons without wheels. They were just moving on by me. And they were terrifying. I didn't know what they were, but they were just frightening. And then they just sort of faded off into the distance, and I saw enormous, um, sort of like a big opening in the darkness. And it was huge, and it was like black on black. There were. It was like a big um, flower that had opened out in front of me, and I kept coming up to that huge opening. And it was immense, and I went floating off into the the inside of that cavernous opening, and I was found myself in a vast cathedral with all the lights out. And by this time, I and when once I got in there, I was very calm; all the fear was gone, and I was floating down the nave or the aisle of that cathedral, and um, <clears throat> I was still asking questions. Where am I? What is this? What is going on? I had no idea. And my mind was just on high alert. I was searching. And with every faculty I had, and I looked down and I realized I no longer had a body. I was like a sphere, blue and white and gold. And my mother was still with me. And she kept saying, Honey, wouldn't you come, please come up here with us? We'd love to have you up here with us. And I was very annoyed by it. And uh, I thought, you know, this is a case of the flu. I've gotten over the flu before. What's, what's the big deal? <laughs> and so, a <laughs> pinpoint of light started coming towards me about then. It was like a huge, and it turned out as it came closer, it was like a huge door on its side or an envelope. And a light sphere floated through that door and towards me and stopped in front of me. And I looked up at it and I said, everything up here is so bloody big. Because I was beginning to realize I was really somewhere I had never been before. And it had, the light had radiant patterns all over it. It had like golden caterpillars of energy flowing all over its surface. And they were like thought concepts. They were star-like webs of pure thought branching out all over the, the surface of the light. And they were fuzzy looking. And I thought, am I nearsighted even when I'm out of my body? And then my mother's voice again said, please come up here and be with us. And I thought, oh, mother. And then she faded into the distance and the light just enveloped me. There were waterfalls of light. There were huge waves of light. And they were all around me. And it was like I reached out and touched the light. And I felt like a newborn at its mother's breast. It was absolute peace, absolute peace. Mm. And I thought, "Where am I?" And I was astounded when I got an answer. The thought concept I got, and this is just my translation, you might say. It didn't use the English language. It was a pure thought. It said, "Now you are beholding the imperial heaven, the heart of God, the great master awareness that overflows to create all it is." <coughs> And I we kept floating there for little ways, and then there was like a curtain that o- opened out in the front of the light ahead of me, and I was suddenly in a great school, in like a beautiful garden, and with buildings all around, departments say music department, uh, humanities, etc. And I was walking um, <clears throat> along, and I found myself in a, a, a large almost like an empty um, uh, auditorium. And it had a parquet floor. And in the center of that floor was an enormous crystal, and it was sending out rays of light all around it. And I found myself walking across that floor to the golden crystal. And every time I stepped on the floor, it was almost like a chime that came out. Hmm. And I... I put my hands on the great crystal when I got there, and then I put my forehead, I felt impelled to put my forehead there, and suddenly I was inside the crystal, and I was seeing in every facet of the crystal scenes from my babyhood on up, I saw my parents' love for me and for each other, I saw my mother's yearning for another baby, I saw um, my whole life just literally was there, it was all there all at once. And uh, I could see huge gaps and ragged tears in my life plan where it had been disrupted by events that uh, had apparently not been planned by the the higher beings, but it, it, they had happened. And then I had in my cupped hands, inside, I was still inside that multicolored, great colored crystal, I saw a multicolored jewel of ruby and gold, and I saw my grandmother teaching me how to paint oil paint, which Mm -hmm. happened when I was about 10 or 11 years old. And then suddenly I remember being back in front of that light, just as I had been before it wrapped itself around me, and I looked up at the light and I said, what is the meaning of what I've been seeing? And the awareness then hit me, right here, right now, I could die. And I was shocked. It was like I was being given the choice. And I was stunned for a moment or two, and then I said to the light, wait a minute, I've been a teacher, I love making goals and objectives and all kinds of plans, and I've been doing that, and and I've had uh, 10 years of goals ahead of me, and broken down into one month and one day, and... Nowhere in all my goals and to dos is there anything that says today I die. And then I realized how much I wanted to stay there. And I also realized that I was being scanned in depth by that light. And it was the light was saying how well looking how you know saying how well are you holding up down there? And uh, I saw my mother's grief at parting me leaving me when she passed on. And mother's grief at that moment, knowing I could not stay up there with her. And I, I, the life asked me, what is it that's holding you down on earth? And I remember seeing my son come into my bedroom and finding me dead, totally unexpectedly. And that was it. I said, that's not going to happen. And I, I said to the life, I have two sons, a daughter-in-law, a grandson that I want to go to college and get married and have kids of his own. I have work to do, writing, singing that I want to do. I really have to go back. I have to be there. And so the light suddenly just gave me a blessing. It was like it approved my choice. And it went zooming off into the distance. And I thought, wait a minute. You know, I want to have, I've got so many questions. Can we talk? And it went right on off. And it was gone. And... Then I was falling down into my body, whirling around and around, seeing those brilliant pictures again, all around me like tiny kaleidoscopes. It was almost like a bunch of television screens in front of me, and, and I was circling around from one to another. And I remembered everything about my life at that moment. And I, as I came down, I knew that I am only a small part of me. I am a tiny part of a far greater intelligence that is wiser and vaster and kinder than the everyday me. I was aware of more facets of myself. And then I was back in my body again, and I was in terrible pain. And I kept crying out, help me, please help me. And I saw beautiful blue hands, like the praying hands that they have in photographs, you know, Mm -hmm. that were all around me, and they were just the hands. They were dipping into every part of me getting something out, which was pretty disgusting looking. And then I passed out. I just lost consciousness. And then when I came to again, and I don't know how long that was, I was sitting up in my bed, and I was having a cold sweat all over, and I thought, oh, good, the fever has broken, and it had. And I healed up faster from that really bad case of flu than I had ever healed before. I was ready to go in days. And that wow. was my near-death experience.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Now, l- let me ask you, let me take you back first to the to those uh, gray blue souls that you passed by. What do you think put them where they were? Why hadn't they experienced what you did?
1: I think that what happened, when I when I saw them, I remember looking at one of them and it was like the uh, this hate was looking back at me. I mean, I never saw such hate. He couldn't touch mm. me, but he was hating me. And um, I I looked at him, and I realized, I, I saw a vision of when I was back in college during the 60s, during the time when all the uprover was going on. Mm-hmm. I, I remember seeing uh, three young people there who were two women and one young man, and he looked at me with that kind of hate in his eyes, and I realized that they were all three of them on drugs, and he especially was hating me. and it was pure hate. And it was that same pure hate that I saw there. So I think that people who are really, really lost their way in, in very uh, difficult ways through drug abuse, through uh, who knows what.
0: It's interesting that they would be lined up, squared off, 10 by 10, and uh, almost like uh, troops in a, on a battlefield or yeah. <laughs> or marching on a parade. Um, do, you, were the, do you think they were stuck on Earth? Are they like ghosts?
1: Um, I uh, No, I didn't. They were apart from Earth, but okay. they were uh, not able to get out of the darkness, which was a terrifying place to be. But I don't know that they were aware of all that much. Right. For the most part, they were. They seemed to just be just fixated on nothing, staring at nothingness.
0: Now here's another question for you: Why do you suppose your mother lobbied so hard for you to join her? Not, you know, of course it's because she loves you. But also, mm-hmm. I wonder if there's. Didn't she think that there was more for you to experience, um, both? In your NDE and also with with your life on Earth.
1: Uh, that was that's a very good question. What I got from her was a really great big fear of all the upheaval on Earth, and, and this was back in 1998. So this was you know things were pretty peaceful at that time, and uh, I I you know she kept feel, I kept feeling that she didn't want me to go through this upheaval that was coming up. And I remember thinking, oh, come on, Mom, there's nobody, there's no upheaval going on. What do you mean? You know, but she was very, very concerned about what might happen.
0: I guess I can understand that, (laughs) especially in light of what's happening in the world right now.
1: Yes, I mean, Uh, I thought about that in 2001 when we had, you know, 9 11. And uh, that came back to me vividly, so. Yeah, that was that may have been a little bit of foreseeing there. Although I didn't see anything about that, but uh, certainly the the things that she worried about, whatever they were, uh, seemed to have been justified.
0: Mm. Uh, when you spoke about um, a web of pure thought, I thought that was really an interesting image. It's like a, a web across the the sphere of light or this crystal light that you uh, that you saw. Ha- yeah. Ha- Is that, um, gosh, it sounds almost platonic. It sounds like a mixture of Eastern-Western thought in a way that that thought itself would be visible. Um, Have you had any reflections on that?
1: My goodness. You know, that's very interesting. I've been reading Plato lately, a little bit at a time. And, uh, yes, the platonic ideas, the platonic forms, if that's what you're referring to. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, that's, wow, yes. I mean, uh, this, these were the thoughts, and, and you could see out of that thought, there would be, have been no surprise to see many things being generated by that thought, that those thoughts, the caterpillar thoughts flowing over the surface of this immense sphere of light, immense and very loving very low. it
0: was it was very interesting that as you as you describe it you're going through first a, a like a large gate and then you're going through a large cathedral and then you're going uh into a crystal it's 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 um piercing <laughs> it's it's going further and further and further inward really in in the description and then of course you're you're cast out again back down to your body mm-hmm. but that um uh I wonder if that is, uh, in part, reflected in how we look into our own hearts and souls when we're trying to really understand the nature of life and what what we're all about. That that inward journey. Um, mm-hmm. Do you see that as sort of a mirror to what uh, your your NDE experience was?
1: Oh, what a wonderful thought! You know that that has so much truth in it. Because you know God is not limited by human logic, and we are uh, at the same time a physical body. At the same time, we are uh, a thought. You know, we are God's thoughts. And uh, when you, when I, you, um, when I went up there and went farther and farther up there, I, I became more and more of of a, a sphere, more and more of a thought. I could see that side or that. From that aspect of myself. And uh, as far as going inward, uh, new levels of consciousness were being awoken in me all the time I was up there. And some I still don't know what they were all about. But I do know that I was awoken to my myself as having been more loved than I had realized by the adults around me. Particularly my grandmother. My dad and mother I knew loved me. My grandmother I knew... Cared about me, but you know there was something special there, much more than I had realized. And so I and I also had a sense of profound compassion for uh, that was for me, there for me and for all. That there was this sense by this intelligence of reaching out to everyone, and with great compassion, with great concern. And also, interestingly enough, uh, this this great light, which I came to think of later on as the Archangel Gabriel, there was also like a tough love to it, like a really mm. tough, terrific coach. You know what I mean?
0: Mm. Yes, if yes.
1: If you're in athletics, there's that coach that's going to get the best out of you to get that ball through the basket, and whether you exactly. like it or not, <laughs> and <laughs> now, very much
0: like that so now now you 're back. how has this um, in your book, which is uh primarily the story of of your of your life it 's very interesting too, especially to me because uh, I love that area of the country that you 're describing the, oh. uh, arizona new mexico um, yeah and 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 the life you lived out there with your family but um how did how did the n d e affect your um, the, your life after that? I know the book is sprinkled with some visions you had, uh, one of yes. drowning in the ocean, and um, uh, someone saves you, and you and you meet Jesus, who tells you Whoa. you'll be safe here. Oh, Maybe yes, you could tell yes, us yes, a little little right. about that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I uh, I thought, gee, which vision is that? Okay, yes, that happened when I was teaching, <laughs> and I had a couple of principals who were uh, bound to determine they were going to try and get me fired. For whatever reason, they didn't want me there. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, they told me so. You know, within three weeks, if there's not a total change, we will recommend that you, you not be, uh, put under contract for next year. So I went home that evening in shock and I just, uh, got out the Bible and I knelt down in front of the couch in my living room and, uh, and then I just kind of sat on the floor there and, and, I couldn't say anything, I couldn't do anything except reach out and say, help me, help me. That was all I could say. And I saw suddenly I was in a very deep, rough water, like waves pounding on me, and and I was lost. There was nothing around except storm and waves, and I I kept coming up to the surface of the water after being dunked by one wave after the next, and... Rolling over and being tossed around, and I knew that if I went down again, I was going to drown. And I, and all of a sudden, I was up on a beach, and I was the, and I, what had happened is that I'd been grabbed by the back of the neck, literally grabbed, and I looked around, and there was the Christ smiling at me. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I was up on that beach, and I um, looked around, and I saw two figures. One was the figure of the Christ, and the other was the figure of a man who was dressed in sort of a long fur, uh, furry outfit of some kind. And he had a long stick, and he was making uh, some kind of signs in the sand of the beach. And the water had simply gone calm and quiet, the sky was clear and blue. Everything was beautiful. And uh, then this uh, furry kind of man just picked me up and piggyback, as it were, and he began running over the rocks around the beach and running over some very rough areas, very narrow between the cliffside and the ocean. And uh, he kept, brought me over to another place where there was a very clear inlet, kind of like a bay and an inlet, mm. very very clear and beautiful water, and very peaceful. And uh, he stood there beside me, and uh, I could see out there that there were whales migrating out in the larger ocean. And one of those whales was a little baby whale, a white whale. And she was bouncing around the inlet trying to get out there with the bigger whales, and she couldn't. And I looked over at that angel and said, she wants to get out. And he said, this will be a good place for her. She'll be able to grow here and uh, and then i was that was it that was the end of the vision and i got up and went to bed and the next morning i went to school and during lunch break i talked to the teachers about what had happened and they said go see louise a master teacher they said she will help you and uh, the upshot of it was that i was i was not only not fired i the as the principal the, the principals that had uh, done this were called into North Area office, and I think he must have been dressed down because he kind of jerked his head around away from me and didn't look at me every time he saw me after that. And Mm. uh, I was transferred to another school where I had a wonderful time with an absolutely fantastic teacher and a a great body of teaching staff that uh, was really, it was a time when I was in a very peaceful harbor. And I got a lot done, loved it.
0: So you were the baby white whale yourself. I
1: was. That was what they were showing me. This is what I thought from that.
0: I think I have time for just one more question, unfortunately. It's uh the half hour goes very quickly.
1: Oh, um how you, fast.
0: when you when you're um in one past life memory you had, uh you were on a a boat uh in Egypt. Yes. And you you related, um, and it was a like a funeral boat for your mm-hmm. uncle, who must have been a great man. And you you recognized that his soul was probably your mother's soul as well. Yes. Could you tell I, us uh, a little about that?
1: Yes, I was. Uh, I saw myself. Uh, this is when my mother was dying, and I was taking care of her. I was all alone there. It was night. <coughs> And I was just, you know, one of those lows that you hit when you have something like that to deal with day after day. And uh, I went into uh, my room, and I got out the Bible and, and started to, to sit down at a table. And I was, it was right up against the white wall, and as I looked at the wall, I saw a picture that just simply enveloped me. It came out of the wall. I don't know how to say this, but it, it was all around me. And I was a young man back in ancient Egypt, and I was on this boat that was, it had hawsers, I guess you called them, huge ropes that attached it to a much larger bar in front of it. And there were people all around me, uh, and they they were pulling handfuls of like dust up out of containers and throwing them on their hair as an an expression of grief. And sorrow, and um I was the nephew of the uh man in the boat ahead of me, and he had been a a soldier, and he was he had uh soldiers in fact on either side of his coffin and I could look up and see it ahead of me, and they were standing like at attention they were and uh he was um I knew that he had been uh like you say a great man. And we were going up the river, and all of us, and more and more, and it became more and more intense. I mean, they had professional mourners who were going through their sharp cries, and and uh, everybody was breaking down and sobbing, and and the grief that they had in them was coming up very much. And I, uh, w- the priest came and and uh, told me that I had to go lift that heavy rope off the whatever was holding it to this, our boat, to that barge ahead. I had to lift both of those on either side, and I didn't want to do it. I fell on the, down to the deck, and I, I said, I can't, and the priest said, you must. So I did with enormous physical effort that I didn't think I could do, but I did that with both of the ropes that attached it to the barge ahead, and it started pulling away. It was like we were in a very broad area. It was like a lake almost and that the barge ahead of us started turning towards the east, and our boat came after it and turned towards the east. We were headed towards the east, but our boat stopped, and the barge went on ahead, just as the sun was coming up.
0: And so this was very much like like letting go of your mother's life.
1: Yes, it was. And I I realized when I came back that... uh, what I had done in that life was what I was doing in this life again. Yeah. And Crystal. Uh, yes.
0: Uh, sadly, we're out of time. Uh, oh, t- tell this a f-
1: is wonderful. T- tell, f-
0: tell the listeners how you can how they can get a copy of your book.
1: Uh, just go on Amazon.com to okay. Sacred Light Spirit Eagle. And my name is hard to spell and hard to pronounce, but the Sacred Light Spirit Eagle by Crystal Ann Banks. And they'll it's there.
0: Very good. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for describing your NDE and and how it's affected your life. And uh, for the folks out there, if they'd like to listen again to this or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about the work of IANs, check out their website, iands.org, and tune in next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.